Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. That Valentine's Day and the performative baby boomer bullshit is just one example of the way that the adult generation in our life failed us as human beings. We struggle a, like a lot sometimes. We struggle a little a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot only sometimes. But it's a lot sometimes. Like, yeah. Hi, I'm Meredith Root. This is the Afternoon Snack Podcast with Alex Parker. That was good. You did a you did a good job. This is the first intro you've been on. Welcome to the intro. Thank you. Today we're doing an extra special Valentine's Day episode where we talk about our love, all of the kind things that we do for one another, our favorite gifts that we've ever Okay, gotten. let's oh, okay. get real. No, we're not talking about that. We're actually going to talk about how we fight and conflict styles and how we deal with them in our relationship. Basically and all the stuff that nobody talks about. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about it because we're here and we're real. And boy, it sure would have been helpful if someone had talked about this stuff to us. So... Yeah, this is a doozy of an episode, so hold on to your butts. Have we ever actually done anything for Valentine's Day? Actually, we have. We have? Yeah. What? I think it was our... First Valentine's Day. No, absolutely. Sec- it was not. a second Valentine's Day. It this- was when you moved. If you were moved here, okay. So like, so I think I know- that's the second February we had been together. I know, and I'm just gonna say this, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but like, I distinctly remember fighting on Valentine's Day. That Valentine's. Day. <laughs> okay, wait. We went to tell a spark one day, one Valentine's Day. I know. I think we went for Valentine's Day, but it maybe was after. It was on a Wednesday. Okay, but so, there was definitely a fight on like I'm the sure first there Valentine's was. We fight day. on every holiday. Mm-hmm. But was that what you're going to say, the telespark? Yeah. That's, I think, the only thing that we've ever we've done. We've never done like a dinner or anything. We don't really do presents. We My don't, mom like, buys us chocolates, but it's such a hard day to go out, anyways, like to get a reservation. Agreed. It's such a chore. And then a lot of places have special menus, and I don't like special menus all the time. Then you have to deal with like people and, you know, just watching kind of like maybe first date. Sort of early Who relationship. goes on a first date on okay, Valentine's date, but like, Day? Or, you know, early relationship people on Valentine's Day. And it's just like... And we're at that stage in the relationship where we're so tired of each other that we're, <laughs> we're so distracted by other people on their first dates. Yeah. Is that it? I don't know. I've never... I just don't... I, Valentine's Day is not for me. I'll say that. Okay. It's just like, I don't like the... I don't like what it represents. I don't like all of the performative. I don't like... It's very consumer... It is. Holiday with the just crap. And I would rather just be in a relationship that brings me joy every day or most days. Well, what do you think of Galentines? Galentines? Like friends friends doing things together. Like what if you're single on Valentine's Day and it's hard for you? Because it is, it is something, if you are single, it's like, oh. I'm single. A reminder that you don't have that person. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Go. I would like to. Can I participate in Valentine's Day this year? Yeah, I think getting together with friends on any day is a good thing. I know. I think so, that would be an especially good good reason to do it. And I think couples can participate in Valentine's okay. Day. Okay. So yeah. Okay. 
I told Meredith that I didn't want her going down hard on Valentine's Day because it might be important to some people and that's okay. And she said, well, don't worry, I won't, I won't. And I said, well, in the notes you have Valentine's Day performative affection, baby boomer bullshit. That's just my notes for talking okay. points. Right. And what do you think I think you're going to say on this talking point? That Valentine's Day and the performative baby boomer bullshit is just one example of the way that the adult generation in our life failed us as human beings from a relationship standpoint. I would agree. I don't think that they prepared us for the worst. And it's not just parents. It's like society. Oh, yeah. I think that there's just a lot of we're doing a lot more talking and understanding and a lot more curious. And part of it more is therapy. <laughs> we're going to get to that. Yeah. Part of it is there's so much more sharing, I think, and openness thanks to the Internet and those platforms than there ever has been. And so it's easier Renee to Brown say, is around. Brene Brown is around. We're all getting vulnerable. Shame. No, but there's just, there's more talking and sharing and understanding of like what this experience of life actually is. And what I'm starting to learn is like all of the adults in my life as a kid were liars. They, they all, you like, you looked at the adults and you're like, oh my God, they have it together. And that's funny coming from you. And I don't want to get too personal on this front, but your parents divorced. I know. But like there was a, they divorced when I was like 11 or 12. And so my early childhood was actually quite stable and normal, I would say. And it was like, yeah, I mean, my, I just thought my parents like had it, had it together. Clearly not. But I think even people who came from like nuclear normal together families who are still together probably are starting to realize that like when their parents were in their 30s and 40s, like they didn't have it together. They didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. Like my parents are still together and I don't really remember as a kid them fighting at all. Like they did it behind closed doors, which I guess is what they thought was right. And maybe it was, I, I don't even know. But now it's like, oh, my mom tells stories about how they used to fight about going on this one vacation or, you know, yeah. like, and I'm like, oh, I wish I had known that fighting was normal in a relationship. I know so that I didn't break up with the person I was dating after one fight. Well, I every think time. that's like you have a fight with someone and you're like, well, we must be completely incompatible. I cannot be with this person when like really like what well, we're starting. We need to normalize the fact that fighting in relationships is normal. Yeah. And maybe some people don't fight. You know, they don't get super riled up because maybe that's just not their personality and they happen to be with someone else who also has that personality. They still disagree. I promise you that. Yeah. But even yeah, like, I don't know if like necessarily like fight, like we'll, we'll use the terms kind of loosely, like there's fighting. Yeah. There's like an effective argument and like conflict, I yeah. think is, is better. Fighting probably not the most like effective no. word. Resolution. But we but will I, use I, the word fight because that is what we do sometimes. Yeah, but I still think like we should, there's some normalizing that you can do with the fight. Like mm -hmm. you're allowed to get really upset in a relationship. You're allowed to get mad at your person and like you're allowed to resolve that and stay with them and you don't have to break up like that's <laughs> it doesn't it's not a, a sign of the end times you know you never really like sat down and talked to like look you're gonna find a person who you love one day they're gonna be a great man <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna be wonderful but he's gonna have some issues do you like what I'm doing here yeah they are gonna be a, a great man or a great woman, but they're going to have some issues and you're going to argue and that's okay. And it's important that you talk things out and you can have different opinions and hold different beliefs and you can still be in a loving and wonderful relationship. 
But yeah, that's never sad. Like you're, I, you're lucky as a, a millennial to get the sex talk. Did you get the sex talk? Do you remember the sex talk? Vaguely, I, I was just, I was a very like kind of closed off person as like teenager. I just, I, I, I blanked out on all that. Yeah, probably. I, like I like, I don't remember it being the most like normalized thing. Like, and I remember being like, oh god, oh god, oh god. And then in your head, you're like, I'm gay, I'm gay, I'm gay, I'm gay. I think it's. It was a difficult, and maybe it's difficult for, maybe it was difficult for Gen Z. Maybe it's going to be difficult for whatever the children of millennials, whatever that generation is. I don't know. But yeah, I think we're like, we're kind of learning this relationship thing as we go, sort of like the hard way sometimes. And I think anyone who's in a good relationship with a challenging person, which I'd say we both are, would have the same things to say, which is that you learn a lot of this the hard way. I know we're just like very different people. Very, very, very different people. We have some of the same hobbies, I guess, but quite different. But I guess we like each other a lot. So we, yeah, we'll be fighting. And it's like, well, why are you even with me? And it's like, because I love you. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know that yelling, that's enough. Like that means something. Yeah. Like I, I do like being around you most of the time. And then she's like, huh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm like, well, what does that mean? What doesn't have to mean anything? Anyway. Yeah, we're going to get into okay, it. Okay, so, um, but I do want to preface this. So it's going to be a two-part episode. Right, because we did an AMA and got tons of questions. Yeah, so. so we had like an idea of what we wanted the episode to look like. Our podcast producer suggested we do something like this for our Valentine's Day episode. And I think a lot of people probably have an idea of our relationship because we talk openly about how we are with each other when we tell stories and stuff like that. But We'll get a little bit more detailed and personal today. I do think it is important to say we are not relationship experts. We are not therapists. We are not psychologists. We are speaking from our own personal experience and what we've learned and what we continue to learn and what we know. We may say some things that aren't accurate and we're not giving advice. So just take it for what it is. And if there are things in this episode that speak to you, that's great. But we do, I think, hope that kind of sharing some of our struggles, I don't even know if they're even called struggles. Like, it's just the way relationships are. It's just no, it's part just of like it. an experience. It's a good thing because sharing is good. Sharing the human, human experience. Yeah. And I think we also have a bit of a unique perspective because we are a gay couple. And I just don't think that there's that much out there in terms of like realistic gay couple well, like dynamics, family dynamics and a same sex. relationship. Yeah. There's a, like a lot of differences and similarities between us and other couples and all that. So, yeah, that's my preface. All right. Well, let's well, I'll, I'll kick it off by saying we struggle. <laughs> we struggle in our relationship a little bit, but I think it's just because we're both very like we struggle a, like a lot. Sometimes <laughs> we struggle a little a lot of the time. <laughs> But a lot only sometimes. But, but it's a lot sometimes. Like <laughs> a lot. Yeah. We'll kind of touch on some psychology concepts. But I remember one of the first things, and maybe like this was a warning. Was this this your like warning to me? You started talking about like attachment styles early on in our relationship and that book, Attached. I and think your warning sign was when you were we were getting serious about you moving to Calgary. Yeah. And everything was going great. I was current, I was visiting you in North Carolina because we were still doing long distance. Yeah. And I think your first warning sign was everything was going great. And I was like, I'm worried about this. 
I know. I remember we were sitting just, in a like getting Raleigh Raw. Yeah. And all, it was like the lights went off. I was like, what? I was like, I don't know if this is a good idea. I'm not sure if we should move forward. Yeah. And it was like I was ripping the rug right from underneath you. Well, I'm like, you you tell me this in my hometown. <laughs> While you're visiting me, we still have four days left on this trip. And you're telling me this now. This on the day. Okay. So if you haven't read the book Attached, I would actually recommend reading it. It's a good book. Mm-hmm. I read it. I, I think it was recommended to me. I was dating someone before Meredith who I struggled with. I really, really liked her and it just like wasn't working. And I read this book attached and it explained why it wasn't working. And it basically says in the book, like if you are trying to date someone, if your attachment style is something specific and their attachment style is something specific, it is highly unlikely that it's going to work. There's just certain combinations that aren't. Yeah, like they new. say you can try, but it's it's not going to, probably not going to work. Yeah. There's a high likelihood it's not going to work. And it's almost like, you. it's hard to read that and it's, be like, oh my God. Uh, like, But then in your mind, you're like, no, it's okay. We'll make it work. We'll they're make not it work. that. I'm not this. And yeah. you know, it, spoiler alert, it didn't work. <laughs> now I'm with Meredith. Yeah. But my attachment style, so there's insecure, anxious, Insecure and anxious, avoidant, avoidant, insecure, and secure. And so my understanding, and it has been a while since I've read the book, is secure is somebody who's, just as it says, very secure in a relationship. Like they feel confident. They trust the other person. They trust the relationship's going to work. They're not concerned at the relationship. They're not worried that the person is going to pull the rug out from underneath them. Avoidant is somebody who maybe you would describe as somebody who's been cheated on. Just there's a lot of distrust. There's a lot of kind of constantly kind of pushing that other person away. Yeah. And then insecure is like, you're just not a secure person. Like, why does this other person love me? It's almost like you don't deserve love. Yeah. And so you're constantly kind of questioning like the other person's motives. And what are they after? Why are they here? Yeah. Like, this isn't going to work. Why -hmm. are they with me? That sort of thing. Really healthy. And that's me. (laughs) I'm like in between, I'm like more insecure, but I also have some avoidance. Yes. And thankfully, Meredith has a secure attachment style. Thank goodness for that. I do. And thank you. And I have tested that. Yes. (laughs) One of the first things that when I started to get to know you, I noticed right away, and this is probably just an extension of the psychology behind that attachment style is like, you have every reason in the world to be a self-assured person, to be confident and doubtful. And I remember thinking like, she really doubts herself a lot. And like, not, not in, I'm not sure that I can do this, but like daily decisions, it's, you need a lot of like validation, confirmation. Is this the right thing? What would you do? What are you going to order? What are you going to eat? And it's just like, it's that over and it's everything. And it's like one of the things that I, I, there's just a lot of insecurity about overanalyzing too. Yeah. And concern with, you know, why don't, why do you care about what I think about what you want to do? Just do what you want to do or like mm-hmm. order. Yeah, that outfit is fine. Just buy it. I think I tend towards overconfidence and you tend towards like underconfidence. And that threw me off. But also I think that because of that and because I make decisions independently, sometimes you would get thrown off by my ability and like willingness to make decisions independently and thinking like, well, she doesn't value what I think. She doesn't value my opinion enough to ask where I'm just like, no, I'm just making it. It's like a little decision. I'm just going to make it because it feels irrelevant to ask your opinion. It's not going to change probably the decision that I make. But that w- that's something that sometimes we still mm-hmm. deal with. That's kind of the attachment style thing. And I will say like, 
I haven't read that book. I understand like attachment theory and I've read summaries of it. But yeah, I, I tend to be secure and just sort of have a belief that things will generally work out my way. I think sometimes I get scared because you do see like there is a high divorce rate and there are a lot of couples who don't make it. And so it's like, what makes us different? Oh, you you tried hard to project that. on. Yeah. Yeah. And it is. It's like, is this the end? Is this is it? Is it good? Are we in a rough spot? Like I I overanalyze. That's not good. It's something I'm working on. Yep. But it's like, you know, Meredith will be having a tough time for whatever reason. She's tired, not sleeping well. And I'm like, oh, no, she doesn't love me anymore. But really, she's just tired like, <laughs> yeah. and trying to get her work done. So there's like a bunch of different aspects. Definitely like I'm just a worrier in general. So like worrying about something that I really, really, really care about is not not my MO. We'll, we'll talk more about your MO. <laughs> we spend a lot of time together. We work together. We live together. We exercise together a lot of the time. And that's been the case since, yeah, like 2018. So let's talk about alone time because that was a question someone asked. Like, how do we build in alone time? Do we need alone time? What are your thoughts on alone time? Very rarely do we spend time alone. I don't dislike spending time by myself. I think the most time I spend alone is when I run. Even like appointments and stuff, like we'll be like, oh, I have to go downtown for appointments. Like, okay, I'll come. We'll run some errands. Yeah. Like we're not, we don't do a lot of things independently. It's interesting. I like I have a, a deep need for alone time when I'm like around my family or around other people. But like, I think my alone time includes you. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I can have alone time, but like it can be together time with you. But that doesn't mean like, like sometimes I, when you're gone, I can just veg out on like music videos on YouTube. And that feels really good to me. Like that's a good reset. Yeah. Sometimes when you go <clears throat> visit your sister and I'm alone for a week, it's not unpleasant. There are moments where I'm like, this is nice. Like things are a little bit more streamlined. You're not working around somebody else. The house is so clean. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, you know, even things like TV, I'm like, I don't like watching TV by myself. Yeah. Or like eating. I'm like, I don't know. I don't like eating alone, like dinner. So then you have to like watch TV with Ivy. Yeah. And we always eat dinner at the table. So I'm like eating dinner at the table by myself. And it's just weird. Yeah. But yeah, we don't, I don't think we do like, it's not like either one of us is like, okay, I'm going to go to another part of the house to be by myself. No. Like, we just don't do that. No. It's weird when it happens. You're like, are you mad? Yeah. <laughs> keep, I'm going to get mad if you keep asking me that question. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into the meat of this one. Okay. And let's talk about conflict. I remember early on, we talked about a fight or something on our podcast. And someone said like, oh, it was so liberating and like refreshing to hear you talk about that. Because for so long, I felt like every time that me and my boyfriend would fight that it was a sign that we should end our like it should just we should break up and again that probably goes back to the way that the person is raised and like what they see in their house I think there's definitely a limit like you don't want to be fighting in front of your kids to normalize it and for sure there are people out there who probably saw their parents fight too much but there's certainly like pros and cons to not fighting at all but anyways how often do we fight would you say (laughs) (laughs) I would say we don't have a lot of like tiny arguments. We're usually on the same page. But when we do argue, they turn into fairly explosive fights. Mm -hmm. Like 24 to 48 hours, like we are not okay. I almost always try to break up with Meredith. It's a thing. I would say we fight a big one probably once a month. 
mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more frequently if like things are extra stressful at work. Like one of us is on edge. One um, of us is overtraining. Yeah. So there are factors, but I would say like, like on a daily basis where we get along pretty darn well, but when we do argue, I just don't think we, we really know, or at least we definitely didn't before know how to like navigate those conflicts. Yeah. It was almost, it's almost shocking when we disagree. Yeah. And maybe you're upset by that. Yeah. How shocking it is. When you feel a fight or an argument, what is your default behavior? What do we fight about? It, I guess? it doesn't, I, it can depend. Sometimes they're big things like navigating family stuff. Sometimes it's like a feeling of distrust. Sometimes it's a household thing. Like I just start getting really annoyed that you're not contributing in the way that I want you to. Usually I, it's me being annoyed with you, usually. Yeah, I, I don't tend That's to usually get very annoyed. It, I tend to fall into like the always never. Like you, you know, always you, do this and you never, never you never do this. <clears throat> and then it's like I do pull things in from the past. So it's like if I'm mad that she... I don't know, the most recent one was like, you know, she doesn't, you know, you never load the dishwasher the way I want you to. And then it's like, and you never do this also, and you never do this, and you never, and you never, you don't do anything around the house. It's all me. You're like a conflict amoeba. You're like, when you go into like angry Alex mode, you turn into this blob and you're like, hey, I'm mad about this thing. And then you just start glomming on to like, okay, one time we fought about this. I'm going to bring that in. And then one time we fought about this. I'm going to bring that in. And like the amoeba just keeps like eating and bringing it's, in these No, old, it's not on, that. It's not. I'm going to tell you the other metaphor. You it's just the straw that broke the camel's back. <clears throat> so it's like the straws are, fi- are piling up. And I'm trying to be as tolerant as possible. No, but and then there's this one straw that seems so innocent, but it just happens to be the one that breaks the camel's back. I know, but what I'm and saying my mental health is the camel's back. <laughs> what I'm saying is that you, yes, there are straws piling up, but it's like there's this one straw that doesn't break your back, but you're like, you know what? I want my back to break. <laughs> so I'm gonna grab some more straw from this time when we res- actually resolved some of these problems. From an old pile. From an old pile. Okay. And I'm going to put them on my back and like, oh, my back broke. And now I'm an angry amoeba. And that's like, that's really difficult because then like your your m- recollection of interpersonal strife, your memory is never going to be really all that accurate or certainly doesn't exist in a, with a great deal of context and perspective. So Alex likes the the all or never, the generalizing. And I would say that my default in arguments and in conflict is that I want to go to sleep. There are two things that you do. I love how like, well, no, I, I love I, how Meredith wrote the notes for this podcast <laughs> and it's all like negative and Meredith's like, oh, I fall asleep. No, so I innocent. was going to get, I will say I, <laughs> before I get sleepy and fall asleep, what precedes You're like, the hold sleepy, up. What can I do to level this fight up a few notches? I, I, I defend myself. <laughs> and part of the reason I defend myself. She grabs myself, a shovel. She goes yeah. out to the garage, grabs the shovel, and starts digging a big asshole. Yeah, I'm like, I'm <laughs> screw you. I don't never load the dishwasher the right way. I just, why is there a right way? They're gonna get fucking cleaned. But anyways, I do that. I defend, and part of that is because, and again, like, I don't. I want everyone to know, and we're gonna talk about this later. We have several therapists. We're not we like in therapy all the time. No, but we're not. But we, we utilize therapists because, as I mentioned earlier we are learning and we don't know. And how are we supposed to like, this is my first marriage. I I want it to be successful. So there's somebody else who is an expert 
then why wouldn't I ask for help? I know. It's, it's like, like my mom told me that. She's like, how do you, you don't know what you're doing. Go ask someone just like I would any other thing. It's like for some reason we're supposed to know how to be in relationships. No. And especially relate, like they're so complicated because two people, it's not like one plus one. Yeah. I think part of it is it's hard when someone is hitting you with the always, never, always, never to do what you really should do and like validate what that person is feeling because it feels so like feels so much like you're being attacked. And so the, like my tendency and it's a bad one is to instead of saying like, hey, you're using this language. What we're actually saying is that you're feeling this way and you're feeling hurt because I did this, this, this. And I can definitely see how you would feel that way. And I understand. I'm just like, screw you. <laughs> You know, I clean this. I don't never clean. And so it's like, that's a a pretty bad pattern. And it does elevate the argument because now like sort of going around in this like always never screw you, always never screw you (laughs) circle. Yeah. And then we we almost 100% of the time end up fighting about how we're fighting. We've legitimately forgot what we were fighting about the other day. Yeah, because we got so consumed. It was two days later and Meredith was like, hold up. (laughs) hold up. What did this, what started this? And I was like, I don't recall. (laughs) But you do, you do, you end up, and this is like, this has to be common. You just end up being like, well, you should have brought it up this way. You said this and it hurt my feelings. And like, well, you're defending yourself. Why can't you validate me? And you literally just, and like the more you learn about conflict styles in therapy, what up? Therapy sometimes makes things harder. Yeah, it does. The more you learn about it, the more you're like, you're not doing the thing that we (laughs) talked about doing in therapy. You're not fighting with me right. You know? And it's like, so then all of a sudden you're fighting about fighting. Yeah. And holding up your end of the bargain with, you know, your, the promises that you make in therapy. And then that is when I go to sleep. That is when I get sleepy. I feel abandoned at that point. Yes. Which, and I don't like going to bed in the middle of a fight. That to me is a, a, I can't, I actually can't. When Meredith will legitimately fall asleep. But there's also a legitimate reason to go to sleep and let some time pass. What if somebody dies while they're sleeping? Oh my gosh, that's such a ridiculous line of thought. Okay, whatever. (laughs) Thanks for the validation on my main fear. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you let some time pass and then you can say like, is, is what I'm upset about actually worth being upset about? And sometimes time and space can help with that. And sometimes time and space can make you be like, you know what? Screw you. You went to bed. You didn't resolve this. You know, it it can become a lot of like, you know, who's right? Who's wrong? What is our body armor? How do, you know, how do we feel like we can get out of this situation? Again, for me, it's like, okay, if you're not going to, if I can't take physical space from you, I'm going to take mental space and I'm going to go to sleep. But I think in my defense, and we're working on this, you can't just like exit by just falling asleep. You have to be like, Alex, I think it would be best. I'm going to need my space. Yeah. I'm going to go to bed now. Like, I know that you probably want to keep talking, but like, I'm not in the place for this. But instead, you're just like, you just silently just like, like you, night. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, all of a sudden I'm like, are you sleeping? No, because sometimes this is how that happens. This is how that happens. You're like, you're going and like, you're always right. And you're so well-spoken in fights. You're so articulate. Thank you. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm just like, usually I've, <laughs> I have laid down at this point <laughs> and you're just going. And I, I'm like, I'm just going to close my eyes. I'm just resting my eyes. And then I, I close my eyes and it just feels like I'm like, I'm in a warm bath. Like mentally, I'm like, 
and then I'm asleep. <laughs> so it's not even, it's not even a, like, I'm going to go to sleep despite her. It's like, I just fall asleep. Okay. And then oddly enough, usually when I come out of that, especially if I don't get to sleep through the night, the first emotion that comes back for me is like anger. That's what I feel, which is just like a, a extension of sadness. Mm-hmm. But that's the one that comes back is like, so interesting. So then I'm like, why am I angry? I, got, I had a good sleep. I heard once that one of the best things that you can think about during a conflict, and I do think about this more so now than I used to. And, you know, this isn't necessarily a representation of you know how we are now as in like today. And obviously, obviously there are situations where, and there are relationships that are actually problematic and toxic and abusive. And this is not that, but you can ask yourself, like, is it more important for me to be right? Or is it more important for me to be connected? And then you make your decisions and try to move forward, hopefully in the direction of like, it's more important to be connected, even if I feel like I am right, but I'm going to let that desire go and lean into this desire to be connected and put my kind of put my relationship first. A lot of times when people are, when, when you feel so hurt because something's been brought up or you're in a fight, especially if it's a fight about imbalance in a relationship or one person doing more of one thing and less of the other. I think that there's a lot of like silent forgiveness and tolerance that goes on in relationships because there has to be, unless you're dating someone or with someone who's exactly you, who you are, they're going to do things during the day that you're just like, I wish they wouldn't do that. (laughs) Or like, they're going to annoy you and you're going to be like, that was a little bit annoying. And this is happening like internally where they're going to do something that you have to forgive them for silently in the moment. And wouldn't it be horrible if every time you did that, you were like, I just, I had to forgive you for that thing you just did. <laughs> yeah. You know, so a lot of that happens in the background and we're constantly, hopefully, constantly ebbing and flowing and giving our partner grace and forgiveness and tolerating the parts of them that are not necessarily our favorite. And when you're, you get into a fight, you almost want to say like, you don't see how often I do that for you. You don't see how much grace I give you that I don't give other people. And so it, at least that's for me. I feel, I feel that way. And, and partially like I'm, I'm very conflict avoidant in my life. Except for on Instagram. Yeah. Well, no, I mean in my interpersonal yeah, relationships. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's not like I won't bring up difficult topics, but I don't like to really cause a fuss with people who I care about. I want to make sure they feel taken care of. Like I, I tend to let things go, especially with you. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have a lot of patience. And so I feel like maybe you're not historically quite that, even though you do that, certainly. Sometimes to me, it it feels like I have done this so much and so silently. You know, when you say things, when you're a little bit miffed that I'm like, why the fuck would you say that? That was rude. You know, I I don't say that out loud or, you know, I'm not like, hey, that was kind of mean. I don't say that. Yeah. You cut me slack more so than I cut you. But I learned about something today called radical acceptance. And it's when you just accept that that person is never going to live up to your expectation. I mean, you don't want to be living your life just accepting things that are making you really unhappy. But if the relationship is valuable to you and you see all the good that your partner does, which I do, there is a place to say, Meredith is somebody that just will never be the one who's the most organized or be able to keep things as tidy as me, or she's not going to be the one to pull out the vacuum every day or every week or whatever it may be. And it's it's accepting that rather than just like living 
every week just being like resentful and annoyed and just like badgering you for not doing something when like, I don't know, you have ADHD. Like you're just, that's not what I'm going to get. Yeah. You have other strengths. And so like, it's like accepting the person's weaknesses and like, and then there's also just, you know, setting expectations with that person or tools or strategies as a couple. If you need to take care of certain chores, maybe setting up a system like, but I think just constantly getting annoyed and having these expectations that are continuously not met is just not the way to go. So it's like kind of picking your battles. Yeah. Whereas like, I think before, and I'm getting better, it's still a work in progress. I would pick up my boxing glove, like every single thing that annoyed me. It was like, why aren't you, it basically, I was saying, and it sounds so ridiculous. Like, why aren't you more like me with this? Why aren't you more like me with that? Well, yeah. And I think my main rebuttal to you always in those arguments was like, I am not you. Yeah. And I'm like, but it, it's important. And it's like, but it's not important to me. It's like, well, why isn't it? It should be. If it's important to me, it should be important to you. Yeah. And like, that is a big lesson. And as, as so immature as that is to admit, it's true. Like, I, I don't, I think I grew up in a family where everyone was kind of similar. Like I surrounded myself with people who are like me. I mean, I guess to say like, even in university, I did struggle with some roommates, like not to the point where like, it was a bad thing. And then I just kind of lived by myself for a really long time. And yeah. I'm very particular. But it's like when you when you actually unpack that line of thought, it's important to me. And so it should be important to you. Like when you actually if you were to flip the script and I could say, OK, Alex, like it's important to me that I take spontaneous trips and have experiences that are not planned. And if because that's important to me, it should be important to you yeah. because then it becomes, well, no, because that's not the right way to do things. But then I, I go an extra step and I'm like, OK, so vacuuming and keeping the house tidy is important to me because she knows it's important to me and she cares about me. She should do it. And if she doesn't do it, it means she doesn't care about me. Uh, there it is. So yeah. it's like, I will go, I make these gi giant leaps. Yep. And this is something our, one of our, ther our therapists told us, like I assign Meredith's behaviors an intent. So if she doesn't do something that I think is important, I will say it's because she doesn't love me. It's because she doesn't care. It's because she doesn't, you know, care about like my like happiness so she just, you know, let, like leaves a mess, yeah. even that she knows it's going to upset me. But it's like, no, Meredith didn't leave the mess to be malicious or to get back at me. She left the mess because she's just like sometimes a little bit out of it. <laughs> yeah, whatever. She has ADHD. Like I keep saying that, but it's like it's kind of true. You're focused on other things like it's just not as important to you or whatever it may be. You probably aren't even thinking about me. It's not like you're like, eh, fuck her. Yeah, it's not like uh, Alex will just get this later. Yeah, like, that's not that's not it. You, you're like, I cleaned the counter and then you like plop down the cleaning bucket right in the middle of the kitchen and walk away. <laughs> Whereas yeah. I'm like, she left the cleaning bucket. Yeah. Like she's really ignorant. She knows this is important to me. And then, of course, I march over and I get mad at you and say you don't love me. And then so it's like in my perspective, I'm like. I clean the kitchen. She should be so happy with me. I clean the kitchen for us because I knew she would like it if I did that. And then that's getting flipped around. Is like either you didn't do it well enough or you left the thing out. Why would you do that? Da, 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 da. Which is not good to support behavior change that you want. So it's like not now never, Meredith's never going to clean again because of what's the point? That's something I talked about with my therapist. Yeah. So I guess the radical acceptance thing is like, you know what? If this battle isn't worth picking, just do it, accept it. And like, don't live the next four years trying to get her to load the dishwasher a certain way. She's going like, to load it the way on. she loads it. It's gonna, the dishes are going to be clean. You may have to do an extra load <laughs> per week. That's it. 
it's really tricky. And the validation piece comes in and it's something that we've heard as well as you, you know, validation is very important in relationships, especially when someone's feeling down or you're in a fight, but you can't validate something that's invalid. And so it's hard. Like you always never think I'm never like, you can't validate. I always do this. You never do this. Like you can't, that's invalid. You can't validate that. Yeah. Our therapist was basically like, I came in and I'm like, you always talk about how important validation is. And Meredith, and of course in therapy, I'm like, Meredith never validates me. Oh my gosh. Her eyes were just like, Ooh, she's like, I don't even know where to start with this one. But basically (laughs) was like, well, Meredith can't validate something that's not valid. And I was like, "Ah." and then Alex sat quietly for the (laughs) rest of the session. No, and I was like, we're, we're, you're fired. We're getting a new therapist. Yeah. I mean, even though like, you know, she left the dishes in the sink because she doesn't care enough about me to do them. Like you can say that to me and I have to unpack what it is that you're feeling to try to validate that because I can't validate. I left the dishes in the sink because I don't care about you. That's invalid. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of, I mean, this is where the, like the conflict styles and being self-aware enough when something has ticked you off to bring it up in a productive way kind of comes in. Yeah. But also it's like, you know, for us anyways, and I know this is probably different for other people. It's hard when you're, you're kind of fighting with your primary support system. So on, on one hand, you're like kind of ticked off at this person for being shitty or whatever has happened, but you also need them to help you emotionally regulate to help you calm down. You still love them. You're like, well, I don't want you to like go outside for a walk for an hour. I would rather you, why can't we just hang out? Why can't we just, why can't you just let me win this fight? I know. And then, so it's like, that's like, I'm mad. I'm mad at you, but then I just get upset. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, why doesn't she care that I'm upset? And it's like, well, I mean, her talons are out now. Like, yeah. what do you expect? She's going to come over and be soft with you? No. Like you just Walls attacked her. And yeah. it's, it's hard. It's hard in that moment for me to understand that. But I'm learning. Mm-hmm. I guess the the like takeaway here is I'm I'm definitely a work in progress on this. It's like part of me is sitting here being like, oh gosh, I'm like like dumping all of my problems. But at the same time, I think a lot of people struggle with this. I think if they didn't, then there wouldn't be theories and yeah and terms to kind of describe some of this. So like when you say you know you fall asleep, we kind of were told like. So there's this, this Oh, this is like concept. such an interesting... Yeah, and this helped explain a lot because I would just get mad that <laughs> Meredith would fall asleep and then Meredith was like, can't you just calm down? Like, calm down. There's something called the window of tolerance, which is kind of where we're all like, okay. Yeah. It's where we live our lives in this like state. It's, it's like, like an optimal level of functioning. Yeah, there's like regulated emotions. There's You're like present. reason. Yeah, you can form thoughts. You're like calm. <laughs> yeah, you can be logical. Can- where... Outside of the window of tolerance, there's a one that goes up above the window of tolerance, and there's one below. So it's called a hyper aroused state and a hypo aroused. Yeah, state. and so unfortunately for us, I'm in the hyper, so I'm way up there, just like freaking losing my mind. Well, like so hyper. So remember, this is like a evolved trait that we have. So hyper is like an you're like in an, an elevated functioning, like fight or flight is in, and you're like moving you it's higher emotional reactivity your thoughts come quicker like you're accessing glycogen. like if i go work out in a fight yeah i have a great workout almost every single time like i hit weights where i'm like holy crap yeah. i'm like doing 165 snatch for a complex and i've like i can barely hit this for a single yeah. on a good day yeah it's cuz you're <laughs> you're mobilizing glucose like you're hypervigilant you're aroused but my thoughts are a little bit 
there's like an like the emotion like I'm not very logical. No, there's like I'm taking my emotion as fact. All of these like, making assumptions. Yeah, not Hy- emotionally regulated. <clears throat> Hypo aroused, which is my response, is the freeze response. <laughs> Lethargic, low energy, numb, lack of emotions. Like I think that's the lack of emotions is an interesting one because that's when I get a lot of like you don't even care, you don't even care, you don't even care. When it's like in the moment, I don't feel anything. And you can't care about something that you don't feel. You get little to no physical movement. There's the laying down, mm-hmm. zoning out, sometimes dissociation, shutdown. There's the sleep. And so it's considered you know, like a cognitive impairment is the way it was described. Like your brain stops really working at all. I can attest to that. And I think it's really hard when you have two people that go in two different directions. And before we understood this, it felt like, number one, I'm like, you need to chill out. But then for you, it probably felt like, oh my God, she just, she doesn't even care. She's like, she's completely stopped responding to me because like, I'm just taking, like, that's just like, I'm freezing, shutting down, taking mental space. And I bet you like, if people haven't heard of this and they get into arguments with their significant others and they get sleepy or whatever, and they shut down and they don't understand why, like window of tolerance. Yeah. I mean, you can do your own research. It's definitely like a pretty well-known term theory. Yeah. But and it definitely fits for us, but it was really eye-opening. Yeah. And what's funny, two years ago, you were seeing a therapist and she told you about the window of tolerance. Yeah. And you didn't tell me. And then I went to see a therapist and she told me about the window of tolerance. And then I was like, oh, so she told me about this window of tolerance. You were like, oh my goodness. So yes. Mine. And so then it was kind of like both therapists were able to kind of say like, yeah, you're up here, Meredith's down here without even knowing the other person. I mean, it was like individual sessions. I think the, someone asked on the, like, ask us a question, like, what is it? How do you handle when your partner gets quiet in arguments and you feel like they are- And you're like, oh, that that never happens. Well, no, but I I think that is someone who, someone who's asking that question doesn't understand. And maybe the partner doesn't either. It probably feels for that person like your partner doesn't care. Like they checked out and they don't give a shit, but they do give a shit. They just mentally like, their, their response to conflict is to freeze and shut down. And that's yeah. all that is. And it's like, there are ways to, if you're hyper, there are ways to, to get back into that optimal level. If they're hypo, there are also ways to get back into that optimal level. For me, I used to get kind of ticked off because, you know, Alex, we get into an argument and Alex would like, you know, she'd disappear into the gym or whatever. And meanwhile, like I am cognitively and physically impaired. The, what I want to do is go work out, but I literally can't where she's down there like PRing all the lifts. And used, that used to kind of frustrate me. Yeah, it doesn't happen too much anymore. So after, so let's talk about like, like the end, the end times, the end of an argument. I honestly think a lot of the time we're both just so tired that it's like, we can't. Okay, so (laughs) this one time, we just, one of us, it's not even like we both are just like, all right, we both concede. (laughs) So the, yeah, exactly. We watched this music video a while back. I can't remember if we've talked about it on the podcast or not, but it's Brandy Carlisle, obviously, Party of One. And it's got Elizabeth Moss in it, who's the lead actress in Handmaid's Tale. So the the song is amazing. And then it sort of is following this couple. What's funny, we listened to the song and we both were kind of like, oh shit, mm-hmm. this kind of speaks to me. You can tell they're having an like Being in an argument and yeah. just being tired. And it's like, but you know, you always come home. The song says, I am tired. Yeah. <laughs> and Meredith was like, I think we were in Denver and you were like, this feels like me. Yeah. And then we, I watched the music video mm-hmm. and it's this like incredible video and it follows 
two women who are in a relationship and they're having an argument and it is like visceral just watching this. There's no sound like it's just them, but the music is playing over it. And I mean, obviously she's a great actress, but you're just, you're like kind of awkward even looking at it because it's so just like primal. Yeah. And if you're familiar with that song, it has this like really like big orchestral end to it. The end of the music video, they're both like the one comes back and they're laying in bed and they're kind of staring at each other, you know, laying their heads on a pillow. And then I think one of them just like cracks a smile and starts laughing. And I was like, we've done that before. How did they get cameras in our bedroom? (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, that's, that is how it ends. A lot of the time is just like, you know, you kind of recognize that we've both been shitty in the way that this has happened and we should really. Yeah. I think sometimes I get frustrated because we have these arguments and I'm like, okay, we went through that whole thing and like, nothing's going to change. I think that's where like, honestly, therapy has come, come in because it's like, okay, you know, we're fighting about, it's not even about what we're fighting about. Like you said, it's it's how you're doing, you know, we do have arguments where like, you know, we do need to set like actual boundaries for next time. Like, but a lot of the stuff is so small and so insignificant (laughs) that it's like, it's really, it's like, you shouldn't let this get to you. Yeah. Therapy is all about like either like being able to just suppress the, the emotion so that you can just talk through it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's more about like learning how to have more effective conflict. Yeah. And, and really all that, all conflict is, is communication, but the, you want to know how you don't end a, a conflict by walking up to the person, just sort of like mopey shoulders down, head down, be like, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's not it. Or like, I'm sorry. I'm so terrible. <laughs> yeah. That kind of like self deprecating apology. Then you have to manage the person's emotions. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I think coming out of it, it's, it's, it's different every time. I think we kind of laughed and, and said like what not to validate, but there's also, there's so much power in validation. I think like just being heard and just being like, for me, I think it, what resolves a lot of it is just being able to sit down in a calm way and articulating like how I feel. Yeah. I like this made me feel this way. And like, I wish I had just done that 24 hours ago kind of thing. Yeah. But I mean, it takes time to kind of unpack your own shit. And then it takes you being like, I get that. And then you're like, listen to my perspective. Yeah. And instead of being like, yeah, but it's just like, there's a lot of stuff, but I think the validation is huge. Like as soon as you feel like you're being heard, I mean, you're saying you have to say something that's like can be validating. That's number one. But as soon as like you feel like you're heard, that really can help like reduce the tension. Mm -hmm. And then you can say like, okay, that's all I wanted. And then you get like that, I think is the conflict resolution. And then it's the reconnection and like the apologies for, of course, behaviors and things that were said, which often happens with us. But yeah. And then thanking you for not leaving (laughs) me. An important part of resolution. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, and you saying, thank you for not flushing your wedding ring down the toilet. Like you threatened to do. Mm -hmm. It's tough. It is tough. But the, I see this one. I hear about it a lot, I guess also just like people being shitty with the way that they apologize. I call it like a, it's like a butcher shop apology. You have to deal with it. It's like someone has flopped a side of beef on your counter and you have to chop it up and figure out what to do with it. You have to like manage it. Like you shouldn't have to manage someone's apology. You shouldn't have to be like, thank you, but you're not terrible. Like what the hell do you even do with something like that? Like I want the filet mignon of apologies. I want perfectly seared, tender with like compound butter and a sprig of rosemary. See, I think that's validation. It is. And that's part of an apology. It's like, I'm, I'm sorry. What I did or said 
hurt you and I see that and I'm sorry for it. And then, yeah, of course, the other person is usually like, this is what I meant. It just it sucks when that isn't done. Like there's a huge blow up before that happens. But I think we're going to get there. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I guess to wrap this part one episode up, I would like you to tell me and the listeners, what is one thing you love about me or one thing that I do that surprises you in the best way? (laughs) (laughs) Come on. I mean, you do a lot like that. You have a lot of great qualities and you do like take care of a lot of the household stuff that I just have no business doing and don't want to do. I honestly think I'm the, the things like when you do something that I normally do, you just do it. And then I'm like, it's done. It's done. I think that like, because and not to throw you under the bus or like neither one of us really do the things that we don't normally do very often you know, to like, we don't really take things off each other's plates. It's like both our plates are kind of full and we just like do what we need to do. It's really nice when the other person is just like, I got this. I mean, and like I was recently diagnosed with ADHD officially. This is like not a surprise to anyone. Yeah. And he was, he was like, what happens whether you realize it or not, if you're with a very like high functioning partner, you just kind of outsource executive functioning. That's what that's called. So a lot of the like day-to-day life stuff, Alex will do it for me. And you do. So I probably when I when I do do it and do it well. Like yeah, you I make dinner every night. I do that. And yes. I really like it when you this is a good one. I really like it when you start making dinner without me having to ask you to start. Yeah. Like without having to be like, Meredith, it's dinner time. It's six PM. We should start cooking dinner. Yeah. Or like, you know, you'll be like, Well, what time do you want dinner? Like you kind of initiating that. Mm. I, I appreciate. Yeah. Or like we're having this for dinner, right? Like remembering what's for dinner is a good one. <laughs> That's a hard one for me. I'm like, um, I know there's food in the house, but why is this such an unsolvable puzzle? <laughs> yeah. So little things like that. But yeah. generally, like you just, you do a lot of stuff that I'm just like, I do not want to do that. Like taking care of cars. Yeah. yeah that sort of thing. Yep. What about you for me? I mean, aside from all the way that, the ways that you make my life easier and that facilitates me doing the things that I'm exceptionally good at. I like that you you make my coffee in the morning. You like pour my cup of coffee. That's like a little thing. I mean, you don't deliver it to me in bed. I guess that would be the level up. But No, but I do wake you up. You do. See, executive functioning. You're like my alarm clock. Yeah, I just it's just like a little thing that makes me feel I have to pour my own cup of coffee in the morning. It's just there for me. So... All right. Well, that was a fun one. Thanks for hanging in there and listening. Just a reminder, we are a work in progress. Everyone is a work in progress. We're just openly a work in progress. And we hope that hearing some of this is validating and encouraging and helps you normalize and put into context some of the things that maybe you struggle in your relationship, friendships, family dynamics. So it's certainly been a fun learning opportunity for us. (laughs) There's been a lot of growth. Yeah, for sure. But we're still small. We are small. Like there's a lot of more, a lot more room to grow. Yeah, we're getting there. We have many more branches. We're like a sprouted plant. We're just sprouting. Yeah. We've come a long way. You know, when you grow a bean. We can be in public together now. When you grow a bean plant in science class and that first leaf, like it's just like holding the bean seed. That's where we're at. Yeah. But we'll be a beanstalk in no time. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Meredith, Alex, Ivy, and Rue out. (laughs) 